I am fed up to here with this treasure hunt business. Yeah. Ira, you miserable worm, you lied to me. You said she was a city girl, out of her element. Just get her in the map and bring him back. What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. She's got herself a partner who likes shooting holes in everything. The minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is $400. 375 in traveler's checks? Not a deal. Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner. There's nothing you can say that'll make me go back into that hellhole. Stop it! All right, I'll go back. But this time, you're coming with me. Romancing the Stone, rated PG. Starts Friday, March 30th at a selected theater near you. How come there are no Valentine's Day songs? No Valentine's jingles. Jingles? I, I think you can't you can't bring love down into a jingle. You gotta it's gotta be expressive. It's gotta be a song. But I mean you have like you have like five hundred different Christmas songs. Like where's it where, where's the where's the love for Valentine's Day from the music <laughs> business? <laughs> there's very but there's a lot of love songs. They just you don't sure. sing about Valentine's I mean, I guess there must be a couple out there like singing about the day. day. <laughs> but I don't think you like celebrate Valentine's by putting on a Valentine's song. I don't... Why not? I don't know. It's a made-up holiday. <laughs> well, I guess they're all made up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Valentine's Day isn't a religious-based holiday? Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? <laughs> exactly. It's it's one of those, those weird ones. Like Christ doesn't have anything to do with Valentine's Day? Are you sure? No Christ, no gods. Well, Cupid, is, I guess, is a god, right? Sure. Cupid, All right. Cupid is a, a Greek god and a Roman god. I, I go know. to my church that I founded uh, mm-hmm. every Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and worship uh, the god of, of love. She really loves love <laughs> and wants to spread good cheer. Yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, with that being said, welcome back to another episode of Reconsinimation. I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're taking a look at how they hold up today here in lovely 2021. Very different from 2020. Extremely different. Extremely. Everything's different now. Totally different year. Mm -hmm. New year, new me, new you. As always, yeah, yeah, and uh, we are uh, we're here. Our our, our cohort uh, Brent is still on assignment, mm-hmm. so he'll be back with us as soon as his uh, his work is done, and he is uh, back in the studio. But um, yeah, so many movies that we could have chose, we could have chosen to discuss on Valentine's Day. I mean, did you want? Gary Marshall's Valentine's. Oh no, that's New Year's Eve. But wait, didn't he do Valentine's? I think he did a Valentine's Day after that. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, I think there is one, and I don't know which one has Leah Michelle in it, but I want to see it. Oh, pr- maybe both of them. Let's just say Ash- both. Ashton Kutcher, maybe also. Yeah, also those they're like the same movie to me. I love ensemble movies. Well, that's that's a uh, Love Actually, right? An ensemble movie. 
everyone just oh yeah, yeah having relationships yeah that's like isn't that the perfect valentine's movie yeah i mean it's it's now it's you know it's more of a christmas movie but yeah oh right also, or it's a, oh that's right i'm sorry it's a christmas movie but it's a love love story. yeah totally like it could also be a valentine's movie but because it's all centered around christmas it, it moves in that category more often there's nothing more christmas me that christmasy than like hot relationships they're ups they're downs you know ups, downs sideways sideways just diagonally just broken hearts yeah and and mended hearts mended rekindled love christmas love actually (laughs) (laughs) uh still haven't seen it (laughs) but (laughs) we're not talking about love actually today oh what are we doing we you know i wanted to dig a little deeper so when i think about i don't know romance only one movie to talk about Mm. it's romancing the stone romancing the stone that's uh so are you so you're into romance you like you like the you like the chase you like the building a relationship you like uh you know uh, the romantic view of of how people come together I like to be wined and dined. Mm-hmm. That's how you. Yes, that's, that's how you. Me in a nutshell. Wine, you if you are wined and dined. Yeah, it, you, yeah. I won't do it. It has to be done to me. <laughs> Got it. Um, <laughs> that's wrong. and then and like like this or maybe you know romance comes from an adventure through a, a foreign country. Exactly. This Under- is ro- truth be told. This is the story of how my wife Lindsay and I met. Oh, okay. This is it's almost exactly what happened. It's fun for beat. It's almost <laughs> like there was a documentarian there. Yeah. It's it's weird that it took place like 15 years before you guys met each other. Yeah, we were a little younger, let's just say that. Oh, okay. Oh, so this work. was <laughs> this movie happened after you met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> um yeah this so yeah romancing the stone what year was this thing again so this came out in 1984 and yeah this is a movie i don't know for the longest time i felt like it was another forgotten movie it was such a it was such a big movie of the 80s that you know throughout the 2000s and we'll talk about what happened with their careers but you know michael douglas wasn't um i think as he started to show his age a little bit. He wasn't, you know, acting in the same movies that he'd been. Of course, he'd been a megastar through after this, really. Mega. Through the 80s and 90s. And then after Traffic and Wonder Boys, he kind of, kind of like, you didn't see him quite as often. And Kathleen Turner was, uh, you know, it's travesty what's happened to her career. But um, yeah, and then this movie just kind of was like, I don't know, forgotten by time. You know, when you think about Robert Zemeckis, this is one of his bigger movies. But of course, you think about Back to the Future and so Forrest Gump and, you know, Castaway and so many others that he's done since that this one kind of gets, I felt like I pushed to the side. Yeah, I could see that. This It doesn't have, uh, it probably doesn't have like maybe the, the as broad of an appeal than a lot of his other movies do. I mean, or at least the, the, the four quadrants that, you know, Hollywood movies need to hit. This one, I think, hits not... It doesn't hit every every quadrant. I think the, the younger set, it's a little harder because mm-hmm. there's maybe a little too much romance. 
but but watching it today good thing good thing we're covering it for valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) um although like i so like my background with this movie is this this movie i had seen on tv a bunch in the 80s along with its sequel uh jewel of the nile and there was a time where i didn't know which movie i was watching at any given point because it's it's the trio of of those two and danny devito on adventures and jungles i think <laughs> and deserts and then and all sorts of places so um this was probably the first time i had would have would have seen Kathleen Turner and anything, obviously, um, because she, I mean she had only done a few movies before this that mm-hmm. were w- way out of my age range. Yeah, uh, before this movie, um, and probably Douglas, and probably and I probably you know Devito with Taxi reruns and stuff, and this, I mean, I, Devito was always around. So oh yeah, um, but like so this one like it was always something I. I liked I liked the adventure stuff. It was great. It was fun. But I, I think I was bored at like just the two of them talking and just sort of and like it's cool. I it's it's cool that it's not like like overtly like flirty and like sexually charged. It's very like they're just two people on this great adventure and they they have a budding kind of relationship as it goes. And it's not filled with like too much conflict either. Like, you know, they they both they're on their mission, you know, they're not uh, it's ah, oh, it's, it's like so, so. It was like for me as a kid, it was always so much fun that like they they were always just getting into something, some harebrained mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, and they're dirty and they're 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 wet. They're wet and dirty most of the time. They're killing animals. Pe- they're, they're avoiding gunfires or in chase scenes. What kid wouldn't love that? Isn't that uh, you know the criteria for an, an adventure film? Wet. Dirty guns, killing chase, animals, yeah, killing animals, yeah, chase, yeah. gunfire, yeah, yeah. I mean, the killing animal stuff's gone away quite a bit, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's that's <gone> away. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of animal moments in this which are 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 not like so nice, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So, like, was that like, would you had this? That, that would have to be your similar experience with this, right? Because this thing was yeah. on TV all the time, right? I. My very first memory of this is a traumatic one, actually. <laughs> traumatic? Like you were in the hospital? Uh, it, I was, was hospitalized. On... No, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but the very first part of this movie that I saw, and I don't know if it was that, again, it was a movie my parents rented or if it was on TV. It had to be, I, I'm just thinking it had to be rented um... that I, the, the, the scene, the very first scene that I saw was... Uh-huh. Um, what's Zolo sticking his hand out once he's caught the stone and the alligator <laughs> yes. biting his hand. And his oh arm. my God. Yeah. His hand, not his arm. But that was my very first memory of this. And then Michael Douglas, like scaling the wall when he's like climbing yeah, the wall. Like, those are the two things I was like, what? I'm never watching this movie. My parents <laughs> like loved this movie. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that was, I don't know why maybe that was why it was in my head such a, a bigger move maybe a bigger movie than it was because my parents like loved it so much right um but I, I associated it with just the alligator scene yeah so i was like oh. i'm i'm not gonna watch that then i i didn't really discover the movie all the way through till high school uh-huh. or maybe even later 
Um, and I loved it. I loved it. And then I rediscovered it, I don't know, a few years ago and still love it. <laughs> like, do you want do you want a prediction? Well, in like four or five years, you're going to rediscover it again I, and fall, all, fall in love all over again. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, I think that's my right. prediction <laughs> for 2026. 20, Every six and a half years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I rediscovered it again. I love it. Um, oh, so now, wait, this is, this adds, this adds a flavor to your alligator water trauma so Bingo. so so this was so that's actually your first real experience with a horrifying alligator thing right or oh no well th this kind of would coincide with the movie alligator that i right. saw all the way through um when i was about five so so it, it had to be around this so it's within like a 12 month span you had seen yeah. both like, yep. terrible moments can you you probably do you know which one you saw first i'm pretty sure it was alligator first okay then this, and then Jaws was somewhere in that zone also. You must have had a tough time with Temple of Doom at the toward the end of the movie there. You remember Ooh, there was, when they're on the wooden bridge uh, in the climax? Oh, of the movie, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. alligators in the, yeah, the swamp. Yeah, had some feelings, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the 80s, right? It was alligators killing people uh, yeah, the, and in, then you in get... their natural habitat. Right, and then you get Crocodile Dundee, and oh. he's trying to smooth it all over with yeah. the crocodiles. At least. I mean, this is this if if dinosaurs still existed on Earth, we dinosaurs would have been all over every every movie, killing people. Yeah, but it had to be jungle animals, and you know, and alligators are, I'm sure, very closely related to dinosaurs, um, just like chickens. So yeah. birds. So bird, birds and birds and alligators are. That's why there's birds in this movie. People love dinosaurs. This, <laughs> this is what Jurassic Park saying, was it. This is a dinosaur movie. Is <laughs> this is this is loosely a dinosaur movie. So yeah. this is like a prequel to Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. This okay. Is, this was this was gearing every audiences up to get used to dinosaurs on the big screen, like, <laughs> and not stop motion. So. Um, oh wow! So yeah, no, that you you have famously told stories on the podcast about your trauma with water-based horror um, with animals. So this one fits right in. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it is. I'm actually exactly right there with you. The the shot with his hand over the water triggered something, and I'm like, oh right, here it comes. And I remember that. And then there was a and actually for me a, a familiar comfort when he after he let the alligator go and he had to go get, go get to the top. I'm like, he's going to climb the wall. Like, okay. Like that's, I thought the wall thing was cool. Um, Cause it's just this slanted wall that doesn't yeah. have any handholds at all. I know. He's just climbing <laughs> like a flat he's wall. just like Spider-Manning, <laughs> like sticking to it. It's insane. Um, but uh, in but Marvel too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, the wall was cool. Um, but I mean, I've always been a wall fan. So, yeah. I mean, Pink Floyd, uh, U.S. Mexico. Yeah. Um, oh, you're all about building the wall. Wait, where's the Wailing Wall? Pal Palestine, Israel. Yeah, I think so. Okay, sorry. Uh, the Great Wall of China. The, oh, the China one. That's like the most famous one. Yeah. Uh, so walls are pretty cool. I'm I'm down with walls. <laughs> Is this becoming our racist episode? <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably gonna have to cut the thing out about U.S. Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and me not knowing where the whaling wall is. Yeah. 
<laughs> or not. Maybe I'll leave it in. Who knows? I can be ignorant about Only where stuff is. Listening right now, we'll know if I left it in or not. I guess we'll be, we'll find out. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I. But, but it's so funny that those are the two moments you sort of latch on to, like earliest memories, because there was something about very specifically those two moments for me as well. Um, you know, there are, there are a few others, I guess, but not not quite like those. I think because they probably hit right at the climax of the movie. Like, yeah, it was the most exciting part. It was going to wrap up soon. Yeah, it was real peril. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and as a kid, you know, we probably I'm sure we were about the same age ish when we saw it, you know, yeah. like five, yeah. six, seven, five something six. like that. Yeah. And, and those images are going to stick in there more. So they that's like your brain. it's funny that, yeah, that's. It's similar, similar viewings, but well, that's like it's the uh, my earliest memory of Star Wars is Yoda on Dagobah, and I, and but like I mean I I knew Star Wars, but like that's the first earliest memory, and I remember being kind of like upset about it because it was dirty and weird and jungle and Yoda was weird and mm-hmm. but that was me as like a super little kid, like I, that, but that I can totally. So me, I probably have, I probably don't like dirty water. I think that's my trauma. That's your thing. Alligators for me, dirty water. For dirty you. water. So this is the perfect movie. You don't even know what bacteria is floating in there. <laughs> like, I'm just worried about infections and, and, and little microbes crawling up into my orifices if I was in that <laughs> dirty water. <laughs> well, you know. Standard and, stuff. But watching it again later on and then rewatching it recently. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, this is like a perfect, to me, this is a near perfect, like adventure comedy, you know, romantic comedy movie. It really hits, I I think it hits the nail on the head for all, all those categories. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great adventure. It's, it's fun, like legit funny at parts. And I think the the chemistry, which we'll talk about uh, between them is, I mean, fantastic. Forget about it. Forget about it, it. It works. So, you know, uh, it's, I think it's a strong movie and it deserves uh, a rewatch if, if you haven't seen it. And I feel like it's one of those movies that it doesn't come up very often when we're talking about, you know, in, in the Twitter world and when everyone's uh, talking about, you know, movies of the eighties, this one doesn't come up super often. Yeah. I think, I think those who know, know, but not everyone knows, you know, and we're going to tell them. We're gonna. It's it's our job to recinemize *Romancing the Stone* and let everyone know. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like for what each of those categories uh, you can assign to it, it excels at every level. And I mean, this is this is Robert Zemeckis with Spielberg. I mean, yeah. and, and it's in it's in the early '80s. I mean, that's this is what they did. This is this is this is them perfecting their craft. Uh, on that kind of thing like this this sets up everything you're, you'd love about zemeckis for years to come um i mean he'd already been busy though right i mean what, what was yeah. right before this wasn't there something fun as well it for was robert uh, zemeckis yeah well we, we covered oh, him yeah, on we used covered car, it used cars right used cars yeah like, last year uh we covered it for in honor of of sir kurt russell's birthday which is also coming up soonish that's right yeah, which uh, we so you can check that out in our archives at www.reconsinimation.com mm-hmm. forward slash used cars. I don't know. You, you can search it. It's probably not that. <laughs> it's probably not that. <laughs> probably not. Not uh, that simple. Yeah, I I really uh, and I you know the movie opens even with that uh, 
a film by directed by Robert Zemeckis or whatever, and that yeah. font, which is I've seen Back to the Future a thousand times. So just seeing that in the font, it's like, ooh, it's that yeah. it's that Spielbergian Zemeckis. But this isn't Spielberg though. I mean, wasn't it, he it part has, of this? No, it has the no. flavor of Spielberg. I thought they at least okay. Never, no, I maybe they I'm don't just... seem. But well, but it's like we're on the route to Spielberg. Spielberg oh. did. Spielberg did produce used cars, and he produced the next film, which little movie, small movie, Back to the Future. Oh, um, but this was was a Douglas production, Michael Douglas. Douglas produced, but but it okay. doesn't matter because Zemeckis has so much Spielberg influence all over him in the early part of his career. So I, right. I'm with you. I totally it has that vibe. It it feels yeah. like a Spielberg movie. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess because it's 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 Zeme- Zemeckian, Zemeckian, yeah. um, at at its core. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess they share sensibilities. I mean, that mm-hmm. that that much is obvious. So, yeah. but yeah, that's just me confusing the timeline there because I thought. For some reason, I thought Spielberg was like with him with this, and then he jumped like through all these. Movies. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm sure Spielberg was doing like six other movies at the time. <laughs> probably, I, I bet I could have bet if they weren't filming in Mexico, Spielberg would have visited the set. I feel like he would have. Oh, I'm up. sure. He, uh, yeah, I'm sure he did. As long, I mean, what would he, he would have been doing? What Temple of Doom at the same oh. time they were shooting this? So yeah, or maybe whatever was right after that. Maybe. Stumble Doom came out in 84 too, didn't it? Or was that? Was it, it was either 83 or 84. Mm. Let's find out. That's some good trivia right there. <laughs> Guys, give us a call. 84. May 8th. So yeah, they, this would have been shooting around the same time. Parallel timing. Yeah. Pro- probably. Yeah. So yeah, they're both doing fun adventure movies yeah. with dirty water creatures. <laughs> <laughs> and chase sequences and yeah. bullets and um but that's that's kind of the that's the big comparison though is this is a a riff on raiders right well uh, yeah that's uh, right i mean there's there's a a lot of discussion uh whether or not this is a ripoff or a, a takeoff on uh on raiders of the lost ark and I don't know. I don't even know if it really matters because it's not a no. it's not a spoof. Should we before we get into that, should we remind everybody? Because I'm sure there's people listening who have not seen this film in a long time. Oh, yeah. I want to remind everybody a quick plot summary. Quick, uh, version. Sh- quick version. A uh, a romance novelist uh, uh, played by Catherine, Kathleen Turner is drawn into a uh, an underbelly of intrigue and adventure when she has to save her sister from some thieves and she drags along an adventurous rogue type, Michael Douglas, uh, in the streets of Colombia. And, um, and they get into high thrills, high comedy, high adventure, uh, on a mission to save her sister from, from various bad guys. In fact, there's, there's competing forces. Right. There's multiple villains. There's Danny DeVito. There's mm-hmm. uh, jewels. There's alligators. There's uh, mm-hmm. car chases, shootouts, um, mm-hmm. rope swinging. There's some rope swinging. Yeah. Marijuana. Was it was it marijuana in the, the yeah. plane? Yeah. I thought they were burning cocaine. Which do you? I thought it was pot. You, probably. It was probably pot. 
they were so high. Yeah, a lot of drugs. But <laughs> well, well done. That's uh, yeah. So that's the that's the that, quick version of the plot. That's a very um, very much in the nutshell of, of just what went on. Not a that's really a synopsis, really right. not a not a, a summary, really. You're you're jogging the memories, though. You know, everyone is. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, that's right. That that's movie. right. I mean, there's a water slide sequence straight yeah. out of Goonies. Straight oh, yeah. out of Goonies. There's a lot of 80s. I mean, this movie is very 80s. Yeah. That hair. The hair, of course. <laughs> oh, my hair. Oh, my hair. Classic line. Classic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it's... Uh, something about this movie, to me, just transcends the 80s. It, it is a major 80s movie mm-hmm. in its energy. But it doesn't, watching it now, it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't scream 80s in my face like so many of the other 80s movies do. Like, this could take place of any other time period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 because it's not, it's not there's very little American-ness to it. So, like, no pop culture is really a part of it in any stretch. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of given a flavor of exotic of being exotic because it takes place in Colombia. Yeah. Shot in Mexico, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. Colombia at the time was uh, way too dangerous to get a yeah. film production going there. Yeah. You're not going to get that happening. So, yeah. uh, but gorgeous locales. Like, I mean, there were some great shots. I mean, the mountains are so beautiful and yeah. the, uh, for, the forest, the hills, um, just, I mean, great topography uh, throughout. A lot of great shots. Yeah. Um, and uh and, and settings well i mean you've got dean cundy as the uh as the dp and he's we've covered him uh, several times he shot so many great films um at this point point was mostly doing john carpenter stuff uh mm. all of his his best films really yeah yeah no he knows how to frame a shot and give you give you a, a lot to, to like there's a whole story going on deep in the back right in front of you and mm. everywhere in between um, so I, I really, it felt like something different. It did, it did feel exotic. Like <laughs> I don't travel, so I've never been to, to Mexico. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Like, you know, it doesn't, so yeah. it, there, other than, uh, clothing and hairstyles. Yeah. You really, this could have taken place in the forties, um, or the modern day. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Well, and it does, it has that Indiana Jones flavor for sure. Yeah. And whether or not it is or isn't a ripoff of it, I don't think it matters because it completely holds up on its own. Yeah, absolutely. The the comparison's only natural just because of the timing, but um, no, yeah, it's it's it holds its own completely. It's a great yeah. script um, and a good story, and everybody loves a good adventure. Yeah, well, and let's talk about that script. So we'll talk about the development of it in the cast, and then we'll, we'll get into our thoughts uh, a little deeper into our thoughts here. The script was written by Diane Thomas, who was a waitress at a Malibu restaurant at the time. And there's there's various stories about, you know, how the script got to Michael Douglas. There's some versions that 
that he came in the restaurant and she just pitched him her her script, you know, right there in the restaurant and and he went for it. Um, you know, the, probably realistically, she got an agent and the agent sent it around and it was a, it was a really strong screenplay and it got to Michael Douglas and Columbia and you know, then they had their official meeting and and they bought the script for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's a good price so, back then for a first price. timer. That's a good price now, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, great price. We um, here at Recon Cinema Studios, we pay a million. We just we just offer a million right off the bat. No matter what the script is, bad idea, good idea. We're buying it. Yeah, we're gonna. We're buying all the ideas. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and and she's got a sad, a, a interesting, and ultimately a sad story. Um, she had a lot of success with this movie, and her career was really just getting going. She was writing always uh, for Spielberg, and was writing had written the first draft of of the next Indiana Jones movie, which would have been the Last Crusade. Um, totally different version. Uh, her version was like a haunted house kind of setting classic but i'm sure you know movies like indiana jones had many different scripts going and uh, yeah. but obviously she was creating a relationship with spielberg and and um her career was really just taking off and she was unfortunately killed in a car accident uh on the mm -hmm. pacific coast highway mm -hmm. um she and it was a three people were in the accident and her boyfriend i think was driving and uh they'd been drinking and it was a rain, rainy night uh, and yeah. slid into a telephone pole and she was killed along with one of the other passengers and um, the driver survived. But uh, wow. yeah, really horrible, uh, horrible ending to her story. Yeah. Oh boy. What could have been? And it was like, I think it yeah. was like she passed away right as Jewel of the Nile was about to be released. Oh, Okay. Which which she did not she did not write Jewel of the Nile, but uh, timing wise, that's when about when it uh, about when it happened. Oh, I see. Well, that's uh, that's it is funny to think like you know like people's careers you know of various be, be, can be different sizes. So I mean, who knows? Like she hits big with this script and with that relationship. I mean, who knows if had she had gone on the landscape of. Hollywood could be very different. There's a reality where she she never passed away, and what kind of movies would we have seen come out or get greenlit, and um, just by like one person's entry uh, or absence, it's fascinating to think um, about that. I mean, yeah, yeah, it would have been interesting to see where her career went because uh, you know I, I think the strength of this film starts with the screenplay, yeah, and. You know, if she just this was her first movie, you know, man. And then she, the next thing would have been, you know, one of two Spielberg projects at that time. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't get any bigger. No, so yeah. Well, I'm glad that she was able to give us this. Um, this is definitely, uh, if you're going to do one movie, I mean, this is this is a this is a solid one to have. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we talked about Robert Zemeckis coming off of Used Cars, and you know, which wasn't a hit. That was not a hit movie. Um, no. And looking back at it, maybe rightfully so. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> apologies to Kurt there. Uh, uh, we but, had fun uh, with that. We had fun with these guys. I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
signing him to do this movie, Fox was very hesitant about him. They really weren't sure if he was going to work out. We're taking a risk um, with giving him a film like this. Mm-hmm. And we're really nervous about how it was going to turn out. It, it's really kind of amazing that they ended up going through with it if they were that skeptical. And we'll talk about it when we get to the release part. But, you know, there was a lot of feelings of uh, there's a lot of nervousness about how this movie was going to perform. Mm-hmm. So uh, but they stuck with it and and it, it all <laughs> clearly has worked out for Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> It worked out. <laughs> Happy ending for him. So. Absolutely. Now, I ain't cheap, but I can't be had. My minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is $400. Will you take 375 in traveler's checks? American Express? Of course. Not a deal. So Michael Douglas obviously is a huge, is another of the major players here. Um, He produced the film and the first part of his career was really interesting to me because he, he bounces back and forth. Obviously he's for Hollywood royalty being the son of Kirk Douglas, but he bounces back and forth through the seventies as a producer and a and and an actor. So you know, he got his acting start really on the streets of San Francisco with Carl Malden, which was a big, you know, cop show in the 70s. Uh, and that went, I want to say, four or five years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like, four or five seasons. Right. And then he, uh, you know, he produces One Flew Over the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest, so which was the dominant movie of 1975. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting when you look back and just see his name solely as producer on that, and not you know he doesn't appear in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I but I think that is a obviously a huge moment for him, and that it really you know his star is is really on the rise there, and you know follows that up with with uh, with appearing in the China Syndrome and Coma, and so he's it's almost like his producing career was bigger than his acting career at this time. Yeah. I mean, with, with that in there, I mean, yeah, I think you're, once you have cuckoo's nest and China syndrome and all that, I mean, you're, you're kind of a big deal. Yeah. I think. (laughs) And yeah, you're acting. Yeah. Like, like, I guess he's just an artist through and through. Right. I mean, if he's doing TV, he's producing these like amazing films, and he just seems to be hey, like you said, he's part of the royalty of it. You know, he's yeah. Hollywood wasn't going to say no necessarily, or he's probably you know given, and he's obviously he's a he's got good instincts, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, those kinds of things. Well, I mean, I think he honestly was more successful as a producer at this point than an actor. I mean, his acting roles, he was, you know, a side supporting character. He hasn't been a main character yet. Mm -hmm. And this is really the movie that shoves him uh, as high as he can get at this point. So, I mean, this is romancing the stone is the movie that makes Douglas a star, but he, and this is the one he hit it twofold because he, not only was the producer, but was the star and originally didn't want to act in it. You know, he solely wanted to produce it. So it's hmm. uh, interesting to see who the big name that was uh, almost cast as Jack T. Colton, Ooh. your very good friend, Sylvester yeah. Stallone. 
Oh, Sly Baby. Oh, man, we could be covering another Sly movie right now <laughs> if he just did the movie. Yeah, almost. Um, he passed hey. on this one to do Rhinestone with Dolly Parton. Oh. Which huh. was a, a, a big regret of his career. I see. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, imagine him him and Kathleen Turner going toe-to-toe. Well, it's a totally different movie. Let's Absolutely. You know, this... Okay, this is about the, about the time in the episode where... Uh, I think it's time for a little segment we call Reconcastimation. Hmm, yes. yes. Also known as Reconcinecasting. Reconcinecasting. Oh, yeah. I don't know which one's better. I, I don't, don't know. know either. We go with both. But <laughs> all right. So looking back on it, who from this time period, who else? Would you have cast in our two lead roles as Joan Wilder oh. and Jack T. Colton? Uh, first gut instinct, uh, Margot Kidder and Martin Sheen. <laughs> I love those. Yes. Choices. I love <laughs> it. First two people I could think of. When I, uh, Margot Kidder? Are you kidding? Yeah. I was, the, I, you know, my, the first names that jumped out at me, uh-huh. uh, Kurt Russell and... Meryl Streep. Oh my God, your kiss! Now there you go. Which is funny because they 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 did do a movie together. Which you know maybe we'll think about that movie for uh, coming up here soon. When the but river that, runs dry or something, right? <laughs> called Silkwood. Silkwood, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I can't. I couldn't a, remember the name. Not of it. a river runs through it, or the river wild. Oh, okay. Years. I'm just in a river state of mind right now. You you understand? Yeah, of course. Um, I could have seen Mel Gibson as as Jack Holton. Nineteen eighty four's Mel Gibson, sure. Yeah. yeah. You want to go comedy? You want to go a little further on the comedy route? Why not make it a Guten classic? Oh my gosh, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Oh no, you've you've thought about this. I kind of like your Kurt and. Uh... Wait, who'd you put with Kurt? Meryl Streep. You put Meryl, yeah, okay. So yeah, that's that's a good pairing. Or you put make it Kurt and Goldie. Boom. <laughs> Talk about chemistry. But, it doesn't get hotter than that. But even with even with that, each each versions of these movies are very different. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess yeah. you get closest maybe with Kurt and Meryl to like what this is, but there's such a there's such a nuance to to the, how these characters kind of are together that yeah. i really enjoyed and i thought like i don't know i mean it just it would feel very different not to say it's they it would be w- better or worse to go with a different pairing but it's hard to really see ah oh, man kathleen turner i mean i forget like she was a crush of mine you know like mario oh, yeah. kidder was my first hollywood crush but yeah um then it was the kathleen turner that voice that that, that look that the way she i don't know she was just yeah. fantastic um <laughs> Yeah, the hold on, Kathleen Turner, for one sec. Just one other thought about the casting here. So, yeah, the, yeah. the people that did apparently turn it down, the Jack Colton role, Stallone, yeah. Stallone. Clint Eastwood, Jack Nicholson, wow, Christopher Reeves, wow, yeah. Reeve, Reeve. Sorry, yes, there's a lot of Reeve and Reeves in Hollywood, so yeah. it's easy to say that. Um, yeah, wow. Christopher Reeve, that could or, 
or Jack Nicholson. Uh, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't see Jack doing it. And I think Clint was too old at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess Douglas was what, just about 40 at this point? Like, yeah, probably thereabouts. Yeah. And then she was, I think, probably, she was like around 30 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. yeah, that'd be interesting. And then, were there any other females approached? Yeah, offered? for her. <clears throat> uh, apparently, they interviewed Deborah Winger. Ooh. And that uh, is an interview that went south between her and Michael Douglas. So, <laughs> no, I don't know what happened, but there's a rumor that she bit him. So, oh my God, don't know if that's true or not. But just from a from a meeting, who knows <laughs> what the backstory was? But oh my goodness, <laughs> um, Jessica Lang uh, apparently turned it down. Um, she wanted to take her career in a more dramatic, serious direction. So. Uh, but that that would have been interesting too. I think that could have worked. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner, my God, right? Today's world for, completely forgets about Kathleen Turner and how big she was in the eighties. She was everything. It's it's a crime. It's it's a complete. It's one of those examples of uh, of Hollywood's ageism. So I mean, she had a great career, and this was. I don't know. If, would you say this is the the peak of her career, or would you say not quite yet? This is maybe the beginning of the peak. I think it's the. I think this is this is her star making turn. Like really, right? I mean, I guess she was kind of big in in Body Heat. Right? Body but Heat that, was huge. I mean, that's a Brian De Palma okay. film. It's a yeah. great film. We could cover it here. Yeah. Uh, very sexual film. Um, yeah. Very revealing for her, and she's amazing in it. She's yeah, so yeah. good, and it's like the star right there i mean you can oh, okay. see so well um, i guess she continues smart, yeah really smart uh it's smart of her to take this movie to you know break away from that strictly sexual kind of role because she could have you know like how sharon stone kind of portrayed that for years like she could have fallen in that category uh instead she took it to like a high a list like I can do action, I can do comedy, I can do sexy, I can do all yeah. of it. So yeah. this was a really wise choice for her. Yeah. No, I think I think everything that she d- did after. I mean, it was these were always things that were talked about. What do we have here? So we got Peggy, got married. Peggy Sue. Yeah, Roger uh, Rabbit. Of sorry, course, I'm I mean, an iconic up. role in Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Accidental tourists, of course. Row the War of the Roses, the third pairing of of of, the, of these guys. Well, of course, yeah, and we'll yeah. talk about what happens after this movie. But and then I I remember wanting to see Vi Warshawski, and I never got around to it. Yeah, I don't know if it's any good. It's probably amazing. It's her. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, Chrissy's no. honor in there too. Uh, in there too, and you know by the time by the time the early 90s rolls around especially right around i think serial mom is kind of the last time you see her in a leading role you, you know the it's like hollywood sort of abandoned her yeah yeah you, know, you have this great talent and yeah she's not 25 anymore but um so it was just gone it was like we didn't see or hear from kathleen turner for years after that yeah, she wasn't regarded in the same way. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a shame. I know she got <clears throat> into theater. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's just really it drives me nuts that that we could have had more great roles from her, and and by the '90s they were already starting to, um, you know, sort of turn their back on her, and and she's far from the only actress that this has happened to. I mean, oh, of course, time and again, and finally now we're at a point where we're just starting to get really good roles for women who you know don't fall in that. 20 to 30 age range or 20 to 35 and um that there's you can actually have a good female character who's <laughs> older yeah than... you could tell a story with an older woman and and it can be in a compelling great movie and right. with with the, with the uh very dynamic and engaging and it doesn't have to be about their youth and uh yeah and, and all that it's gonna be just be about a real character yeah um yeah well, I mean, we're we're blessed that we have the movies we do with her, and um, yeah. but just I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like her style and her wit, and her I don't know the her her just her gravitas. Like she she carries her scenes so well um, in everything she does. Like you yeah. just you're drawn to her. I mean, it's just I don't know what it is. It's just that it's her, it, she's one of those it things. Yeah, it, it women. She's got it. Yeah, she's and especially at this point, she had a really strong magnetism. Yeah, yeah, she 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 pulls you right in. <clears throat> and the movie is built around, really built around a a tri triumvirate here of not just Douglas and Turner, but Danny DeVito as well. I mean, yeah, I remember, like you were saying earlier, Danny DeVito was felt like he was everywhere in the eighties. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said that, but that's what I meant. You alluded to it. <laughs> yeah. No, he was busy. He was everywhere. I mean, his I mean the biggest his biggest thing though was probably a taxi at the time, right? I mean, he'd been in a lot of movies, right? Taxi but... was over at the time, yeah. But it yeah. started with Cuckoo's Nest. And yeah, yeah. He and Michael Douglas were actually roommates at the time. So... Oh, they were roommates at, during Cuckoo's Nest? I don't know if it was during Cuckoo's Nest or it was before, you know, might have oh. been, you know, before that, but uh okay. Uh, they had been roommates. Devito, I, one of his very first roles was Cuckoo's Nest, and and then you know then he gets Taxi after that, which is you know late seventies into the early eighties, and mm -hmm. that's major network sitcom. Uh, you know, really makes him a, a TV star, which he would appear on various shows for years. I mean, didn't he show up on Cheers once in a while? I think maybe once or twice. Yeah. Maybe just once. Yeah. With his wife at, at the time. Right. Rhea, Rhea Perlman, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, now he's on uh, what's that show? That uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think yeah. he wasn't in the first season, but I think they are on season 15 or something or something insane now. So, yeah. That's it, wild. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, he was in so many movies in the eighties. It felt like he just popped up like every couple of months. It's like, Oh, Danny DeVito up. Oh, it's ruthless people up. Oh, throw mama from the train. It's wise guys. The it's twins. Death. Twins. Jewel. Oh, I guess that was Jewel and Yeah. Busy guy. Uh, he's a go-to cause he's, he's so, he's such a charming guy, whether he's playing like, I mean, he's not like, uh, he's a character actor really. And it's, so it's, everything he's doing even if he's playing the villain who's like kidnapped this the lead sister in this movie you know you don't really see him as like this nefarious 
you know, evil guy. Uh, yeah. You, you, you like to see him bumble and, and curse at his brother and right. And he's just, he's just great. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, I don't know, would you say comic relief with his, his kind of performances? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. there to, uh, it's, it's to find the levity in anything, even if he's not, he's not telling jokes, but he's, he sees the his characters see the world a little differently. So he's the one like with his uh, his wit and his or in his you know you, you give him the right dialogue he he knows exactly how to play that scene. Yeah, yeah. So he he knows how to f- have fun with words. Fun with words. Fun with words. I think that's an app. <laughs> Starring Danny DeVito. Should we play fun with words later? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> You know, and there's a, there's a number of other great actors in this movie. Uh, right off the bat, we see Ted White, who we talked about back in our Friday the 13th, the final chapter episode where he played Jason Voorhees. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's in the opening sequence as the cowboy who is the murderer and rapist. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And also that scene. <laughs> that scene, uh, Yeah. You could, it's funny that I, and I didn't realize like, you know, I don't know what's in the absolute original screenplay, but I, I found it funny of that, like this romance novelist was writing this, this scene and it's, it is, a, it's about that central care female character, but like, of course on film, they, they play up how like they play up her body and like you literally see a nipple and a sh- through a shirt, a wet shirt. I'm like, oh, this is like a guy's version of a how a, f- a woman writes a romance novel because it's it's not necessarily the like her body isn't isn't there to titillate a fe- the female reader. You know, it's it's right. it's um, but it's obviously it's played for, for, you know, because it's cinematic, but it's like, right, you know, well, it's played I feel, for cinema. You know, it's played for cinema. Right. It didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me watching it now because they're basically making a visual version of the, the cover of one of those romance novels. And For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not explicit. It's, yeah. It's very right. like all sexy and, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, oh, I mean, I find it fine. I don't find it offensive but, or anything or like, but it just, it did seem like, oh, this is a guy's version of that kind of character. Cause, but I mean, it's, it's the contrast of like, of, uh, who Joan Wilder is, where she's this like introverted, mousy uh, person who can't find love. You know, she's she's lonely. So this is her ultimate fantasy, where she can she can be sexy and tough and get revenge and and then still and find the love of her life on a mountaintop. You know, like I, I get it. It's yeah. That so the script's smarter than I thought. Just by just after a few minutes realizing like what you know what it's really about yeah um, but i thought i just found it like oh the opening moments of this movie has something something for the guys who are going to the romancing the stone movie but <laughs> i don't know I yeah just, it's interesting the irony of her name being wilder when we first see her and she is the most like i don't know if i'd say reclusive but very boring very plain yeah um, non-adventurous life yeah she is not wild at all <laughs> zing yikes uh yeah so we see that opening and then we you know she's finished her her novel she's getting it to her publisher who's played by holland taylor mm-hmm. who's Good been in see her. a zillion and one movies and tv yeah. shows and 
um, grade here is sort of a feels like sort of maybe a mentor type. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's her publisher. And I mean, she's she's sort of helping her. You know, she's obviously a successful writer, lots of books, but she's still just no success in the love department. And, uh, you know, we, we get to experience them sort of judging so many different men at one bar or wherever they are. And then none of them are, are quite her idealized man. Like yeah. she, I think Holland says like, it's uh, none of them are your Jesse, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and every time you see Jesse too, it's like a faceless shadow, you know, you see the outline of the body and the hat and the, you know, yeah, yeah. essentially what looks like Indiana Jones, but no face, yeah. and, you know, obviously that's the metaphor for yeah. uh, not having found this person yet. Yeah, but it sets it sets her up very quickly, and still I feel gives her a lot of dimension too. Like, mm -hmm. I want to keep knowing more about her because uh, she's not a one note character or anything. Like, you, you could be it could be real dangerous, even if she is like the lead of right. the movie. That you can care you could like um, do a, a caricature of, of this person, but I feel like she's got she's got a lot going on. And then I mean, getting mixed up in the plot of her sister. Being kidnapped over this you know, this whole other situation going on, she gets on a plane and she 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 does what she's got to do. And yeah. then I don't know. I I'm glad we got to follow her around and uh, while she she was making her way. Yeah, and her sister, which played by the iconic on this show, Mary mm -hmm. Ellen Trainer. Back on the show, Mary Ellen Trainer. Back on the show at least the third time now, and uh, it felt like another actress who just popped up in so many different movies mm -hmm. <laughs> in the 80s specifically yeah. uh but yeah and and we really don't see mary ellen trainer very much we just see her you know once or twice in the beginning and then you know we don't really see her again till the end we're, yeah. we're the whole time well and it's so fascinating that like you know she's kidnapped and like yeah so it's going to take time for for joan to get down to columbia get to cartagena and get the map but then like there's all these delays and everything and there's no overt like well we're gonna kill her if you're not there in 10 hours there's no ticking clock kind of thing like so it just shows you that the villains you know danny devito and uh who plays his brother oh uh, i forgot the actor's name who it played, is uh, is that jack norman mm, zach norman zach norman i think is correct yeah that's right he's zach he's norman yeah. Um, so they're kind of, you know, they're not because they're not like super villains. They just they just need the thing. They're not even the big threat of the of the film. The, right. The threat comes from uh, uh, what is it, Colonel Zolo. Colonel Zolo. So yeah. Um, so they're just two bumbling guys, and so the threat isn't doesn't feel that bad. Like you you can let you can let this adventure breathe. Um, right. So it sets the right tone for you, I think. Throughout. Did you feel like? the plot was a little too overly complicated. Um, I think like you could follow it. I think oh, you can follow it though, but it, it's hard that like, there's like this severe real threat from like the violent uh, Colonel and his, and his corrupt, like, cause he's like, he's, he's the law down there. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he will kill whoever he's got to kill. I mean, he killed, the maintenance worker in her building when he tried when he broke into her apartment looking for yeah. the map like yeah so you get the threat right away yeah like that's a serious threat and it's established super early before you meet 
uh, Danny DeVito, I think, and everything. So, um, so there's like this huge looming, like real violent threat. And then there's like the lighter threat <laughs> that has to be solved, like yeah. this adventures and babysitting type level of crisis where it's a, it's a, it's a small crisis, but it's solvable. You just got to get there and, and do it. Yeah. And then, um, so, I mean, I don't know. And then you meet an, other cast characters like when Alfonso are, uh, Aru, Arau, yeah. Arau, uh, when you meet his character, that brings a lot of levity to the movie. Oh yeah. That's yeah. so much fun. Like, yeah. um, but no, I mean, I think you can keep, I think I, I, I'm not sure how you make it stronger without like eliminating characters altogether. Right. Right. Um, or subplots. So I, I it works for me. Yeah. So, I mean, me. Basically Elaine, her sister has her husband had found the map. Right. And Zolo was coming after him. Yeah. For the map, which he has sent to Joan back in America, in New York. Yes. Uh, in between he's been killed she gets kidnapped or she's kidnapped by Ralph and Ira who are jewel, basically like jewel thieves. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, so they're all trying to get this map and to, which is to get to the stone and then the sister's kidnapped. And now Joan has got to enter that whole situation unknowingly that this Zolo is like right behind her. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't even know if Ralph and Ira have a good awareness of Zolo. Or maybe they he does. Know of him, like yeah. you, you find out about a quarter of the way through that uh, Danny DeVito brings it up that they they know they see, oh, yeah. um, but uh, but he doesn't really know them, right? Like, right, they know who the colonel is, but the colonel doesn't know who these two, yeah, these two dimwits. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with what you're saying about her, her, she's it's a strong character, like she's not. She's a fish out of water, but she's not a damsel in distress. Right. Yeah. She can handle herself. Um, and she's loyal and she's brave. I mean, she is is a, a complete introvert from what we see of her. And then yeah. he's just without hesitation is going to go try to save her sister and get on a plane uh, and then get on the wrong bus, which furthers the plot, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and like, so, yeah, and they, like she she and Jack T Colton uh, end up, you know, having to navigate this, this, this world. Cause she could be, they get together cause she got on the wrong bus and ended up going in the wrong direction and she's got to make her way back. And it's, right. it's going to be hard to do. So it's, it's like this small, like road trip movie in the, in the midst of, you know, this th thrill ride. And um, it's not like she doesn't, her character isn't getting caught up in, something that you would find in her romance novels like that's this is the kind of thing that she dreams of and then i mean and it is like a romance buds between them as it goes but it's not like she's swept up in it it's just it's almost like this is a natural progression this is how two attractive people on this thrilling adventure would kind of end up knowing they they have the luxury of some time like they they like if it was like if there was a ticking clock it'd be a lot harder to get for it to be like a, a fun, sexy adventure, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, yeah. they have to avoid Zolo, but they're not like they don't have to get to some place at a certain time, right? It's not, it's not like forty-eight hours per se, right? Right, or another back to jail, episode. or it's another forty-eight. In our archives, 
Nation.com. <laughs> I have been through every one horse shithole for a 200 mile radius. You should have seen the river I had to traverse this morning. Look, so don't give me any of your crap, you gutless wonder. You have been an embarrassment to me and the whole family ever since you were born. And one more thing, I like you are the luckiest son of a bitch to ever walk the face of the earth. So, so it's, and then of course we find out at the end, she uses her whole adventure to write the next great Joan Wilder book. Yeah. In like a week. Yeah. <laughs> so but she, I like how I like, you know, there's a lot of good part of what's so great about the script is, is these plot twists and having her get on the wrong bus. And that's really the only way she even crosses paths with, with Colton. Yeah. Uh, it was, was interesting to me because she's with, I mean, Zolo's on the bus with her. He just hasn't gotten through the crowd physically like to her yet. Yeah. It's weird. I was, I'm curious why he, I guess he put her on the wrong bus specifically just so she could get lost where he and his allies would be, you know, right. I guess more so it's just, cause all he has to do is take the map from her. I mean, he, and yeah well i think maybe just get her away away from everybody too so yeah yeah you know because where he t sends her is this remote area that's yeah. really far from cartagena where she was supposed to be going but he's on the bus with her you know right like he like so yeah i think it's uh he did he he made the right choice for what he has to do he's got to get her away get that map he doesn't yeah. really care about you know he doesn't care about anybody's life <laughs> right and then and then uh, Colton ends up uh, in a big gunfight with him. Yeah, I to mean, save her. Right. He. It's it's pure, basically pure coincidence that, you know, right when he gets her off the bus or the bus has crashed into what we find out is Jack Colton's car sitting in the middle of the road. Yeah. They, you know, most everyone walks off to wherever I forget where they're going to catch another bus, and he convinces joan to to wait here because another bus is coming which it isn't and yeah. right when he confronts her colton is coming back to his car and they have this shootout yeah <laughs> with colton and his never-ending uh shotgun bullets man he is he's got all the bullets in the world yeah and um, then that's really where the adventure starts is that uh he scares zolo away and she hires him to you know take her on a journey back to where she's supposed to be going and uh, along the way, Zolo comes back, and and then it, then it becomes a chase. Then mm -hmm. Zolo and his group are chasing them through the jungle, and at the same time, Danny DeVito is following them to see if, when he can get close enough to steal the map. Yeah, he's just got to get close enough, and then he loses track of her, and then he doesn't know where to find her. Then, because they're they're not traveling by typical means, they end up in the jungle on the river. Yeah or whatever like there there's a lot going on it's not easy to traverse um yeah and i thought the adventure part of it here like the stunts are great the gags are you know having to cross that gorge and and you know on that that rope yeah slide. like that's great and she's you know she holds her own there that she doesn't know what she's doing but she's like she gets across first and it's jack who has the hard time <laughs> yeah, yeah. So i think he's got the right level of humor in his character too in that he's an action guy but not like the best action guy either he's not yeah. Rambo. <laughs> right no he can navigate he can navigate columbia <laughs> uh, 
he's only been down there for a year or two or something, but he, yeah. you know, he, he's kind of a hustler, you know, he's trying to, he, he was going to sell birds and to make some money. Like he's just, he's just trying to figure out business opportunities so he can have a boat and sail the world. He's a, he's a simple man, a simple desire. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it only, it only took a few hundred bucks for him to get hired to, to guide her. Yeah. And then the real adventure began. And what do you think about the chemistry between them? Oh, it's undeniable. It's great. Yeah, Douglas and Turner. Yeah. Oh man, that's it's it's fantastic. I and I I like that it's not. Uh, it's just a good. It's a good pairing. It's because it, they they're both on the same level. There there's no huge power imbalance between them. Um, like. And neither of them have anything to prove to each other. I think they are like both fully realized characters. And I think that's what's so great. Like when you have a good pairing of characters and they, they fall in love or whatever, it's not because of, because one of them saved the other, you know, it's because they went through this thing together yeah. as separate people. Um, Cause they kind of save each other in a sense, I think throughout, you know, they uh, do. And, and it's, it's really that, you know, I think like in life, when you go through a major experience with somebody, you have a bond with them. Yeah. And it's not always, not always sexual. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is for you. No. I mean, no, <laughs> not, not every time I bond with somebody. <laughs> I haven't thought about uh, it before. But yeah, I, I like how in the beginning, it's not an immediate sexual tension between them. Yeah. You know, there there is a, a lot of back and forth about, you know, he's making fun of her. He's laughing at her about like, what the hell are you doing here wearing high heels and with <laughs> giant luggage, which is useless. And yeah, um, she, she was on a bus, you know, she didn't know yeah. she'd be running through the jungle. Well, yeah. I mean, from her side of it is that she shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like and yeah, you're right. It was like it's not this like. Oh, they're so like into each other. Their relationships is transactional in the beginning. So yeah, of course. Uh, and then once I, he finds, once he figures out, like, oh, she's got a map to treasure, then of course, like, there's always this undercurrent of like, well, he's he's going to stay with her because he could realize his dream. He could he could be rich enough to buy that boat, you know. So yeah. But he and they have a wonderful scene after they've finally like consummated their <laughs> their their bond. Um, where he promises that he'll they're gonna let's get the treasure we have all the leverage and we'll save your sister and then you see that he he puts the map back in her bag to, to prove to the audience that he's on the up and up so um he was gonna he was still gonna scam her until he like really fell for her yeah um and they did a good job of like you know leading you in that direction yeah you, you yeah. kind of knew that this is where they'd end up. Right. Like, is he or, you know, will he or won't he do it? Yeah. And then right when you find out that he was going to do it, he doesn't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. so you don't, yeah, you don't have to like, you don't have to spend the whole film like, what, yeah, wondering or the audience didn't have to know way ahead of time. Like, like he could have, I don't know, he tries to copy the map. He's not able to. And it, and so it's not established like, oh, he's just going to try to screw over at the first chance. He knows that, but the audience doesn't find out until right at the turn. Right. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a nice little lovely thing. People are capable of change. That's the lesson. Change is possible. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I, I think obviously they clearly had chemistry together. And, and this is, so they've done three movies together, right? Mm-hmm. Douglas and Turner and DeVito. And DeVito. Yeah. So they do this. We'll talk about the sex, success of it, but they did Jewel of the Nile and they did War of the Roses a few years later. Mm-hmm. To me, these movies feel like different stages of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Like this movie's the honeymoon phase. We're just passionately in love. You know, Jewel of the Nile is like the marriage where you're settling in and, and you know, that honeymoon phase is over and this is the real part of it. And War of the Roses is the divorce. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which obviously what that movie's about but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but like yeah uh, the relationship changes um yeah. and yeah we're seeing various distinct stages between them and devito is like the the the, the bumbling friend and frenemy and and confidant <laughs> throughout yeah. um yeah I, they're that's a natural progression i think uh, yeah. you know if you're gonna team these people up together i mean they made all the the jewel the now came out like a year and change later right like, yeah they're, they're, we'll talk about that in a bit but that, that but then, came out, they went immediately went into that movie and then war of the roses was right before was it like 89 maybe? i think it was 89 yeah yeah so you know that they all teamed up you know three times in f- five years yeah that's pretty it's pretty cool and apparently according to kathleen turner like there were a lot of you know, there was sexual chemistry with her and, and Michael Douglas that they were like, she was really, you know, she has admitted that she was really into him. Sure. Uh, and there was, was like something was going to happen. And then one day his wife at the time was just there on the set for the rest of the, <laughs> rest of the movie. So, she shut that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's for the best. So that's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. But they do a great um, job in the in the story of of building that connection and that bond, and then eventually it does start to become sexual. But it feels like a natural progression and not forced right in the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing, you know, the sexualization of Joan Wilder in this movie. The you know I'm not a big fan of the the mudslide scene is funny, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good scene. But the face landing in the crotch, that's maybe the one thing that doesn't play as well anymore because it felt like the one moment they're forcing it. Yeah, a little little bit of a force. Uh, It's a it's a it's a it's a position to find yourself in, but it almost does feel so early in their relationship uh, on the screen. And it's almost like a, you know, a forced act. You know, they're falling down a mountain, but like, yeah. It's kind of there's got a there's a level of aggression to it. Uh, well, right, and like so, she lands kind of legs spread a little bit, and he comes flying off and lands face first in her crotch and stays there where they have some dialogue. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, like he's looking at her thighs, like, and there's like two inches of water above her. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah it's and she doesn't move. You know, she's right. Point, like she's not there's no sense that she's attracted it like it hasn't even entered the equation yet yeah and it's played that that's like kind of a shocking moment that they survived it and he's laughing because they survived it and right i mean i think it's 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 lighter than it could be done today if you're gonna do it like in a real overtly sexual way yeah 
but yeah, it's, I think you're right. I think it's a moment that sort of stands out as not a perfect fit for what was going on. Yeah. But I mean, that's really like the one yeah. look at negatives. That's like, that's maybe the only moment I'd put in there, but yeah, um, I get the intention behind it. Yeah. It's, it's to communicate to the audience. Something's up. They're going to get it on. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, so their bond doesn't really start uh, really firming up until they're inside that plane. You know, once they escape from Zolo, they eventually come across this downed airplane where there's <laughs> drugs and alcohol and food and yeah. uh, magazines. And then, and you know, Jack sort of gets caught up about what he's missed from society, you know, while mm -hmm. he's been down in uh, Colombia and the jungle. Yeah however long he's been there yeah and that's where you first start to see you know some some chemistry between the two of them so it's an important scene oh yeah yeah it really kicks things into gear because they, they slowing they slow down they have nothing to do other than to stay they have to stay the night there they have to right you know they've got to regroup and uh, they got to know each other think about so they're they, they find all these drugs which they use to make a fire yeah. Imagine what that would have smelled like. <laughs> yeah. it like in the plastic too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Just like, like holy fumes. What? A... Yeah, inside a fuselage of a plane. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they come across a, a town where they run into, like you mentioned, Alfonso Arau as as one who is a. We find out. We, at first, he seems like a villain, and then when he casually mentions Joan Wilder's name, or when when Jack mentions her name, you find out that Juan is like her biggest fan. Yeah, it's a it's a total t turn. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Joan Wilder, write us out of this one. Joan Wilder. Joan Wilder. Vision Wilder. You are Joan Wilder, the novelist. Yes, I am. I read your books. I read all your books. Come in. Este es Juanita Wilder, la que escribe las novelas que le leo los sábados. But he is a violent drug running criminal. Like, <laughs> he, they, him and his group would have straight up murdered these guys just for existing. Yeah. Uh, until, yeah, he's just a big Joan Wilder fan. And then welcomes, into, welcomes her into his home, and it's this big, sprawling place, and he's so excited, and he's just like, treats them like they're old friends and then um and then he's happily ready to like get into the the big his mule his pesky mule yeah. and drive her away from uh from zolo and, and with gunfire he's loving it he's like living the oh, adventures yeah. of her books like he's loving the gun the gunfights and the, yeah. the chases so and it's he brings a great energy to the the rest to that to the film at that point because it, it seems pretty perilous for them and then He's like he loves them and he doesn't care, and then they he, he helps them out. And I don't know. It's 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 funny that we don't see him again. Uh, yeah. You think like almost he would show up again, but uh, but that's very Hollywood. That's a Hollywood expectation. Yeah, it's. I think it's smart that you know it's it's probably the most fun part of the movie. You know mm -hmm. that that centerpiece of the movie, and not centerpiece, but uh, you know middle of the movie. It. it it boosts it along. It, it uh, furthers the story and it gets them further away from Zolo, even though Zolo's like right on their tail. 
um, he's got all these kind of booby traps and and is able to help them escape. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and then you know, and then we come to, we we come to that dark <laughs> that dark ending of the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, where, where it's all played at night, mm-hmm. so literally dark. And then, like we were talking about, we've got alligators there. They all kind of catch up. They all everything converges here. Yeah. Yeah, so we got because the alligators we see throughout the movie in the beginning, and then uh, you know they're they're part of the landscape, and then you know they they get to uh, to Elaine, the Maryland yeah. trainer. You know they're they're going to rescue her. Like they they got as close as they can to like succeed, and Zolo comes together, and then it becomes real peril again. Uh, like people are definitely going to die here, and uh, it turns into. And then, of course, the crocodile. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. And they've also, by this point, they've got the stone because along the way, they've made the decision that they're literally passing right by where the stone is, according to the map. Yeah, they happen to so, just go right exactly where the X marks the spot. <laughs> and, and that's where Jack, you know, the mystery of whether Jack is going to, you know, steal it from her because he's convincing her, like, hey, we're going right by it. If you get it, you can use it as leverage to get your sister back. Um, I guarantee your safety. Yeah. Well, like, is he being truthful there? I mean, the T in Jack T. Colton does stand for trustworthy. That's what he tells you. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he he realizes after, like, again, I think it's like they're in they're in bed together after, and like, he probably did not expect uh, to change his mind, but he saw like her earnestness about what she's there to do, and 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 just to rescue her her sister and. He, you know, he picks what the right thing to do is. So at least at the very least, they're still going to get that jewel, but he, he's not going to abandon her and, um, you know, steal yeah. her map from her, which is, again, what he's going to do. Well, and so, she confronts him about it. Like she says when they're in bed, she's like, why haven't you, why haven't you stolen the map from me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, like, what she, do you mean? And then that's, a, it's got that pan down where he <laughs> reaches under the bed where he had stolen it from her. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant moment. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like, so yeah, they have the jewel. It becomes, that's, that's the money. The map is nothing now. It's the, it's right. the jewel. That's, this is what everyone's after. Yeah. And um, everything kind of converges and yeah, it's kind of thrilling and there's, there's alligators, there's gunplay. There's, well, yeah, you get your well, knife they, fights. They, didn't they split up before that where uh oh they well they had to they had to meet in the same area because the the river kind of split them up the river split them up he's got the stone and she's got the map Map. useless but nobody knows they have the stone so yeah well zolo does know but yeah zolo basically followed them right right to, right, to, to ralph and ira so yeah but yeah so he does show up you know he is loyal to her, and and then you've got the yeah this probably the most action is taking place here at the end or the the climax, and you know a lot of characters in, at play here, and a lot of uh, a lot of different things going on. They split up. There's you know the alligator. <laughs> so the <laughs> the funny part is like Jack tosses away or kicks away the the stone when oh, yeah. they're all confronted by Zolo. And but Zolo catches it, yeah, right before it goes in the water, and he's like laughing. And as he's laughing, that's when the alligator comes, bites his hand off, yeah. And And now the alligators, so then Jack splits off and is going after the alligator, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 
And then, you know, he has to make a choice where the alligator is going to jump into not, it's going to jump away into like the ocean or whatever, or, yeah. you know, a bay the river, and, yeah. and be impossible to find. And uh, he's holding on to it. And then he sees, he sees Joan uh, having to in a fist fight or a knife fight with Zolo up, up that top of that uh, wall. And, uh, you know, eventually he makes the right decision and tries to save her. And she ends up saving herself, I think, right? Yep. She d- burns him and and stabs him and knocks yeah. him down. And, yeah, he he dies horrifically. Yeah. <laughs> Burning to death with crocodiles. Yeah. <laughs> he got cooked, baby. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jack is gone. He leaves her... He, he kind of does this like mysterious hero, hero kind of thing. Like he, that he's got to leave her. Like you've got your sister, you've done it. And he's got to go. Cause of course he's going to go hunt that alligator. Right. Right. <laughs> As if like their story were over and, and they yeah. split. Yeah. Um, so he keeps it kind of romantic too. And, um, and then, you know, we get the big reveal after she's written her book, she's back in New York and the boat and the boat he always wanted is right there parked in front of her apartment. Yep. Yeah, he's got get, alligator boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get a great. Uh, so after all that, and they split up, and she goes back to New York, and is clearly, you know, yearning for him. And you know, now she's lived this story. She, her character, like J- Jones, lived one of these stories that she always writes about, yeah. and is missing it now. <laughs> is missing yeah. it, missing that adventure, and missing him. And yeah. but comes out and parked right on one of those busy New York city streets mm-hmm. is the boat with Jack waiting there. Yeah. And yeah, those alligator boots, the little, little bit of uh, animal abuse uh, there. But uh, when you kill that, alligators, you, you eat them and make them into boots. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a snake murder in the plane, I believe. That's uh, yeah. And I wasn't sure. Yeah, I if hope that, that was, was fake. real or mechanical, but I think it might have been real. I don't know. I, it, I thought it was mechanical. And then the way, you know, like he chops its head off and then he picks it up all in the same shot. And the way the tail is moving, like, yeah, yeah. it's I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, effects were getting better and better every year. Who knows? Yeah, and this was at the time where the rules uh, weren't the same as they are now about animal safety. And, yeah, you know, I think some animals, yes, but like, you know, animals that aren't pets, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a snake, who cares if the snake gets killed? Yeah, but it's great. Like she, she, you know, she had a, a romanticized view of, you know, the kind of man she wanted in her life um, and the adventure she could have. And um and she got to have it like she got to have it all like the the kind of guy she wanted it turned out to be the kind of guy she really would would want you know and uh that was jack and then um you know so it's you know she built her own she she built the life that she wanted uh even though she she had to be alone for a few years uh to get there um so that's kind of neat you know i think that's a, a nice little capper to that like she's a successful writer yeah. now she's found the love of her life the kind of the, exactly who she dreamt about and then um you know they can be together I, i'm not i'm not a smart guy with the uh, geopolitics and uh you know di- you know uh 
you know, minerals and mining and the, the something so valuable belonging to uh, the people of Colombia in a sense, because it's it's from yeah. there. So I mean, there's 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 ramifications from what went on that maybe have a maybe not exactly a uh, an ethical or moral uh, kind sure. of thing. But I, we're not gonna we're not gonna speak to that because I don't know what to say about it. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I'm I'm very I'll ignorant. Just... <laughs> It's yeah, of course, it's a political issue here and, and a moral one. And and the same applies to Indiana Jones. Like what gives you the right to go into another country, steal one of their, you know, precious artifacts that belongs to that country and take it, whether it's to a museum or you're going to sell it to somebody, yeah. uh, you don't have the right to do that. Yeah, so I would think so. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're not going to we're not going to. This movie's not going to deal with that side of it. It's a, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a simple, it's a simple adventure story, and we'll, yeah, you know, uh, we can just leave it at that. Yeah, well, you got your classic, you know, Hollywood ending, really, but it works great in this movie. I, I love the ending. I, I think it's, I think it's perfect. Where else do you see a? How else would you end a movie like this? I don't know. I don't. Th- I think this is it. Everybody yeah. gets what they wanted, and the bad guys are do, dead. Do you have a? Uh, Having just watched it again, do you have a favorite? Is there a particular moment or scene that you that's your favorite in this movie? Uh, I was going to say, what if it was? What if it was the mudslide uh, down the mountain? Um, I'm like, ooh, boy, pull the <laughs> collar. Ooh. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I nothing's jumping out at me. What about you? I got one. Yeah. The, that shot of Michael Douglas dancing. <laughs> well, they're dancing together, right? Like, and he's there's one. There's, there's doing a, shot a spin. Of him, like he starts dancing, and then he gets her to go with him. But that's right. That's right. Uh, there's a, that that's just gets me every time. Yeah. Apparently, apparently Zemeckis rolled on that one. You know, the, he didn't call action. He just rolled while they were kind of like getting ready, and that's what that shot is. Is really? Yeah. Michael Douglas didn't know that cameras were going. That's him being natural, Michael. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. This was a this was a fun this was a fun movie. Yeah. I it makes me want to watch Jewel the Nile now, obviously, and uh, V.I. Warshawski. Let's do a, a Turner thon. Yeah, I'm I'm in. The Turner classic movies really means Kathleen Turner's movies. Yeah, that's the original. That's yeah. the original TCM. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah. So the movie, the movie is uh, they finish shooting it. Zemeckis starts putting a cut together, uh, tested horribly. Oh tested no! Very poorly, and the studio was was worried going into the movie. Now they're even more worried coming out of it. Um, it hasn't been released yet. Zemeckis uh, cuts out a lot of the center. Uh, the central part of the movie, the, the the adventure part where they're you know they're going across Colombia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a, multiple other sequences that were in there that he just cu- got rid of those. He added the opening sequence, so that whole you know Western uh, thing was was all added later. So yeah, I'm sure that was a very male oriented uh, piece. See, okay. See if that's not in the original. Yeah, yeah. See, 
but the studio is still they are sure this movie is going to flop it's going to bomb and Zemeckis is supposed to do Cocoon as his next movie and they promptly fired him based on the director you know the early cut of this movie wow oh wow so think about that had he I mean it all worked out for Zemeckis because had he uh, done Cocoon he wouldn't have done Back to the Future right and then that would have changed the, the landscape of, of Hollywood once again. Yeah. So, you know, that being said, the movie comes out March, uh, was it March 30th, 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio prepared for a big bomb. And guess what? Didn't, didn't bomb. Not a bomb. Big hit. O- open big? Uh, yeah. Well, the, so the movie had a $10 million budget. It was filmed in July to October of 1983 in Mexico. Um, it opens at number four. Oh, okay. But mm-hmm. there's a but. It has a <clears throat> excuse me, a five point one million dollar opening. Oh, hey. It uh, opened up against uh, Greystoke. You know the okay. Christopher Lambert Tarzan movie. Mm-hmm. Classic. So that got number two. Um, this was sandwiched right between Splash in week four and Footloose in week seven. So, hmm. yeah. Um, and it hovers at that three, four spot, spot for weeks and weeks. So it may not have been the number one box office, but it was consistent that it didn't have a, you know, big drop off that it was yeah. like, you know, and eventually it had a $75 million domestic run, $115 million worldwide. Oh, wow. $1 million dollar budget. That's, that's huge. That's great. So it had a consistency. Audience kept finding it. I'm sure people were going to see it and then yeah. they're telling their friends and it's the classic. And I mean, movies ran for so long back then. Right. There'd be, there were tons of movies, but there were, you know, it, they, they had to, audience had to keep finding them. Um, yeah. There was I mean, only so many theater screens to go around. So, right. It's in the, uh, it's in the top 10 for like 12 weeks. Fantastic. So it starts four and then the next three weeks, it's at number three, then two, then three, you know, it's just hovering right around that middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just gaining steadily. So very cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then it ends up um, number, number nine of 1984. Oh, so, you know, wow. Yeah. A lot of big movies in '84. It uh, it is behind a Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and right ahead of Purple Rain. Okay. You know, I I just remember I remember this movie not necessarily when it came out, a little too young for that, but when it came out on video, like the posters were everywhere, and what a great poster! I think this is a Drew Struzan poster. Um, yeah, and it's I which are my favorite, and I love those drawn posters, and the it's it's another part of why his posters were so great is because he really captured the essence and the spirit of the movie uh, in that poster, you know, them yeah. swinging together on that, you know, that um, vine or is like it a, a wire? Vine. It's a vine. Yeah. Yeah. He's got yeah. a smile on his face. There's, he's got a gun. She's, yeah. she's, he's looking excited. Like there's a, there's a venture ahead. There's a looming threat in the background. It's exotic. A lot it's, of detail, a lot of, you know, DeVito's in there somewhere and, um it's fun it's sexy it's, yeah it's it nailed thrilling it. the another thing that i think is really important to the movie and setting that tone is alan silvestri's score love an alan silvestri score 
And this is the, the first time he and Zemeckis work together. Clearly, Back to the Future is probably the height creatively of their, their partnership, but mm-hmm. uh, they'd worked together for years. But I, I, I love the score. It's, it's got the, again, the same sense as the poster. It, it gives you the real, the same energy of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, it, it, it's a lot of great parts working together in harmony uh, for this. It's the thing. It's like there's no, there's no, there's nothing that's lacking in the, of, about this film. Like it's, it's a real complete thing. You know, solid script, great cast, great direction, gorgeous. You know, uh, cinematography, humor, <laughs> adventure, romance. Yeah. Crocodiles. Yeah. It's got everything the, uh, that you love about the '80s and more. Alligators, you mean? Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Alligators. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, he does say they're crocodile tears. Has it been crocodiles this whole time? Oh no! Oh no! Did we... We've been mislabeled. Mis. Either way, labeling the the, the reptiles. <laughs> um, they so the movie's a success. They go right into uh, the sequel, which is Jewel of the Nile. And the best thing about that movie is it's got a Billy Ocean, uh, you know, soundtrack. Yeah, uh, you can't beat that. You no, can't, can't get higher. No, you can't. Can't be done. So no, uh, Alan, but, no, Alan's, uh, no, Alan Silvestri. On well, that. I think yeah, he does the score, but um, there's there's uh, pop music, if you'd say so. Pop music. Pop yeah. music. You need a you need a good single. I I, I have seen that 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 film less. Yeah, Again. Way less. Yeah, and yeah. and you know it's it's not the same. I mean, you you you're missing Zemeckis first of all. You've got a different director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Danny DeVito back and he's much more of their buddy this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the plot's interesting. You, we, that, that, that's a movie worth covering though on its own because it's a very troubled production. There's a lot oh. of drama in the, in the making of that movie. Oh, I see. And, um, and uh, Diane Thomas did not write it, right? No, she did not. Nope. So, so you know the, a lot of the creative elements are are have changed at least and and it's not this quite the same energy uh, it, it feels more of like a hollywood package than this one felt like this one feels very natural whereas jewel feels you know like it, it's it's we've got to make a sequel we've got to got to get everybody back together again so yeah make the magic happen again uh, but I mean, the movie is still a hit, but, uh, and they, they did plan to do a third movie, which was called the Crimson Eagle. Ooh. Never, never came to fruition, never mm. got out of development. Uh, I don't know about what time timeline wise, w- when they were going to do that. I think it was more in the nineties. Oh, okay. And, <clears throat> excuse me. By that point, they've done more of the roses and we've talked about, you know, what happened with Kathleen Turner's career, Douglas is going the other direction. He's just, you know, one of the A-list stars of the nineties, you know, when, when basic instinct came out and yeah, disclosure and, and a number of other movies, he, he was one of the top stars. So mm-hmm. I don't know when he would have, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not sure if Hollywood being Hollywood, especially back then that, they shied away from the movie because of the ageism with her. Right, right, right. Now, people oh. aren't going to buy them together. They're buying him and Sharon Stone. Right. 
you know, him terrible. And, and how she's younger than than maybe, than, uh, but I, you know, I don't think she, you know, she wasn't playing younger at that point, right? So, well, no, who's older is is Sharon Stone older or is or Turner? Yeah, I think they're around the same age. Yeah, you have to look it up, but. You know, Sharon Stone was was in movies in the early '80s. You know, Alan Quartermain that we talked about on our Canon Films episode. Right, right. That's right. Actor hmm. Jackson. So she was busy. Yeah. But uh, so that movie never never came to fruition. Although they did, I think they reunited in uh, the Kaminsky Method recently. They did, yeah. Which Couple... I, thinking, I should watch just for that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um... I have been watching that. Yeah. Uh, but the movie's huge for their careers. Uh, th- this, you know, like we said, it puts Douglas on an A-list uh, movie star level. And, he, you know, he would right after this, not right after, but shortly after this is uh, Fatal Attraction. It's Wall Street. So, I mean, which he won Best Actor for. So, uh, you know, he's skyrocketing here. So is she. I mean, she's got a lot of big movies after this and this took her, you know, just up to that next level. And Danny DeVito too. I mean, he just continued his consistent uh, star status. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, what a, what a, what a star powered uh, film here for this trio. Yeah. I mean, it was good for everybody involved and, and it ended up, even though Zemeckis lost cocoon, he gets back to the future and then, you know, and then all those other ones. Uh, <laughs> just a couple others after that. <laughs> so uh, how do you think this holds up? What would you you say the film has a legacy? Should it have a legacy? Is it forgotten as one of those action, um, you know, action movies of the 80s? Has it been, what has yeah, done to this movie? I feel like it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just forgotten a little bit in the noise of 80s action adventure kind of thing i mean it's you know it doesn't get it gets probably unfairly compared to all you know bigger bigger names bigger bigger budget bigger films so um so for as solid as it is solid as it is i think yeah just it's getting left left by the wayside a little bit there's only so much room on all these lists Um, but i am sure that it's, it's it's it has its place and i think it's recognized by by cinephiles and all that but um i i mean i this this movie should should endure um it's just a matter of who uh each generation you know uh, being cozy with michael douglas or kathleen turner or danny devito i mean danny devito is still very relevant for a younger crowd yeah i think um but michael douglas not so and kathleen turner very much less so so it's 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 becoming more and more forgotten um, yeah, and it doesn't. I think. I think it deserves to be uh, rewatched. It's absolutely. It's it's completely fun. I think it holds up now. I think it uh, it works. It's just a good. It's it, to me. This is like this is a good movie. It's, it's a fun a time good, at the movies. Yeah, you want like to have fun. Like this the, is one of, one of. There's just so few flaws. Just get on the couch. Get a, get your get your significant other. Get a blanket put your arms around each other and just have a good time this is like for me this is like princess bride 
you know, these two movies I can wow. just on and have a good time with. Wow. All right. Yeah. No, I get that. So Recon Stars, our new uh, system of uh, our new scale for rating films. Okay. How many stars Zero do we do? through 10. Zero How through 10? Recon Stars, what do you give it? We're, we're getting so mainstream with our, our rating system. I know. It's always changing based we're, on the polls. And... We're retiring the Jack Burton scale. That's fair. 1 through 13 was a challenge. Let's make it easier. Yeah. Uh, zero through ten. This is a seven point six, seven point eight. Solid, nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go just a smidge higher. I'm just gonna go eight point one. Okay, all right, yeah. there it is. So we're hovering that, you know, seven five to eight uh, range for yeah. this movie. That's that's uh, a great score. So yeah, yeah, we've covered we covered we covered why it's it's. It is solid entertainment through and through. Yeah. Down down to the score, up to the star power. In up the, the middle. stars and down to the score. Yeah. <laughs> score, the least useful part of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think we should at some point cover, I mean, we probably will cover Jewel. We'll cover War of the Roses, too. I, I only have seen War of the Roses once a long time ago. so I never saw it. So. And maybe, you know what? Maybe we'll get... We'll get uh, Michael and Kathleen in here, and they can sit in. We can all have a round table. Just have a talk. Let's chat about it. <laughs> Let's chat about uh, it. All right, cool. Well, you know, we want to wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day for those that celebrate that um, the fictional created <laughs> uh, created holiday by uh, Hallmark. Did that? Did Hallmark start Valentine's Day? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It's, it's probably still some pagan. It could be a pagan thing somewhere. Probably. I don't know. Maybe somewhere along there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you know, you got to figure every holiday is made up. Sure. Because human beings had to create it. It's all about marketing and the money. So. Sure. Anyway. I just mean, we, we everything was invented. But for those that do celebrate it uh, with your significant others, whoever they may be, have a happy Valentine's Day. Watch Romancing the Stone tonight uh, with your loved one. <laughs> and on your favorite streaming service. Yeah. And uh, while you're at it, you should check us out on our social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at uh, Reconsimation Podcast. You can always find us on our website, www.reconsimation.com. So many great back, uh, back episodes. You can always go back in the archives and pull out uh, just a ton of great, great ones. So they're all there for you. And don't forget Tons. to a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you listen to your uh, uh, podcast, we, we always appreciate it. So, um, And a quick uh, shout out and thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme music, like usual. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, and our friend Curtis Moore for the poster. This was uh, yet another fun one uh, to, to have him work up. So, Thank you, Curtis. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. And we will be back very soon for one more episode in the month of February that I'm just going to keep, I'm not going to spoil it now. You're just, it'll be here soon enough. So stay tuned. David, you got anything else before we wrap it up? No, I'm just happy to be here. I'm going to go home and uh, open my pint of Rocky Road ice cream and sit down and 
enjoy a lonely night at home. And I'm going to stay in my office and have six bottles of wine. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) All right. We will see you guys uh, next time on Reconsidimation. Bye now. say to me right now I've lost her out is going to get the most teeth broken in your mouth look bullet head if they're hiking through the jungle there's nothing I can do about it I have a car I am not Tarzan <laughs>